my partner at the time, she just like she was like, be careful. Like I don't have a good feeling about today. Be careful. Sam Tate became a paraplegic after a horror motorcycle crash six years ago. The 28-year-old competed at last year's Winter Paralympics and he's made it his life's mission to win gold at the next. I just broke down and I was like, why me? And he was crying as well. As well and no one's going to put you in a situation that you're not going to be able to get through or you're not strong enough to get through. And not like hearing that from him saying that like you're stronger than what you think you are and I think we all have that inner strength that mm. we really don't know is there until we're put in a like a really tough situation that you, the only way to get out is fight and really find that fire in you. Sam Tate, thank you so much for being here brother. No worries mate. It's, it's been a pleasure to chat over a coffee, have a little yarn and get to know each other a little bit. I've had the pleasure of bouncing back and forth over message with, with you the last sort of couple of weeks yeah. in the lead up to this. And um, I've been able to hear your story on a few other pods. And I'm so interested to dive into it today because for me, this is, you know, this world of Paralympics, you know, speaking to Paralympians, speaking to people who, well, that for me is very different. I haven't had anyone on the show um, who's within the Australian Paralympic team. Mm-hmm. But I love, and a consistent theme of the podcast is speaking to people who are, you know, faced by adversity, who have genuine challenges in their life that they have to come through the other side of, and, you know, refining that purpose, redefining who they are, and finding what the next steps in life look like, and really keen to dive into that with you today. So I guess we'll address what your your injuries are, you know, Mm -hmm. the challenges you face. Talk to us about... Um, exactly what happened post-accident and then we'll go into your accident a bit more. Yeah, um, so we're coming up to 10 years now. 27th of April, 2013 wow. was my accident. Um, I've never actually celebrated that day. Uh, I think I've never really phased about it. I've always wanted to maybe think that day as like a rebirth or like a new life start. But um, yeah, look, to say it hasn't been a hard 10 years I'll, obviously that's not the truth and it's be a lie but like I live a really good life now and um, I guess having my accident has really taught me um, like as we spoke about just to kind of live every day the best mm. you can and find purpose in what you want to do in life and kind of live that to the fullest because I'm not one who can kind of like sit there and just kind of coast along at life. I want to have those really high ups and find an adrenaline that's going to make you feel so good and um, conquer like those lows and get through those days where you feel like crap and you don't want to do anything. You just get outside and go for a, a ride or a swim or anything and then you get back and you're like, oh yeah, I feel much better. It's like fitness to me is also... Um, it's changed my life and probably more recovery than anything else and it's really got me kind of to where I am now and like being an athlete it's like it's part of what we do but once I stop professionally skiing I'm definitely going to keep training because it's just mentally it's it's like freeing and it's just kind mm. of defines who you are and I love it I couldn't agree with you more there it's you know training's a huge part of my life we spoke about that just before yeah. off camera you know, so your injury was, you know, paralyzed from the waist down. Is that correct? Yeah. So T10 complete paraplegic. So I think it's about just above belly button. Yeah. Um, so spinal cord completely severed and no movement from the waist down. And so it sounds like prior to the accident, as well as now post, you know, you're quite an adrenaline junkie. You said, you know, now mm. you live for those highs that yeah. come through extreme sport and I would consider your sport extreme sport because of the pace that you guys move at it's terrifying it's it's pro (laughs) it's terrifying to me and I'm not even in it but you were um on a motorbike when you had your accident yeah talk me through that day like and and give us a bit of context who were you before the accident yes I was 22 at the time um that was one of the funnest days I've had on a bike I only had my L's for I would have been maybe three or 
four months. Yeah. And I was only kind of just figuring out how to ride, like lean into corners and becoming a little bit more confident in riding. And I, I don't think I, I wasn't pushing it that day to the point where, oh, you're being stupid and you're going to have a crash. But, um, yeah, I was 22 and I felt invincible as I guess most males do in their twenties and thirties. And my partner at the time, she just like, she was like, be careful. Like, I don't have a good feeling about today. Be careful. And I was like, nah, I'll be right. I've got four mates. It's a beautiful day. We're just going to go riding all day. And mm. I'll see you later at the pub or something. And then it was about four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. And she got a call from my brother and she instantly knew something was wrong that I had, I don't know, hurt myself, had an accident. And then it was, I blacked out for about three days. Yeah, wow. Um, Is that immediately as the accident happened? Like, can you remember the moments before? I remember probably five minutes before. I don't remember like leading up to it. I don't remember the crash or um, I remember flying in a helicopter over the Harbour Bridge yeah and laughing with the the doctors or the emergency guys in hell saying oh first time ever high bridge great <laughs> it's cool to see um being in an mri machine for an hour and a half and in the most pain i've ever felt just with that morphine button just pressing mm. it, um that felt like a lifetime and then laughing with the spinal surgeon who came in i think i don't know probably seven hours after that and then don't really remember anything for the next three days and then finally came to in the ICU and just my family were around me and just kind of I don't like really no one I've never no one's ever said like at the, the early days or you've broken your back this is what happened it kind of like I kind of just knew I don't really know yeah like just subconsciously I was like oh yeah I had this I don't really know what happened but um, I didn't think I, I was like I'm going to be back at work in a week this is yeah. nothing that they don't really know what they're talking about and then week months years later and here we are and it like I've in hospital I remember really like just melting down once with my dad and I was like why did this happen to me like I felt like my life was only just really picking up and like I had a job that I loved and everything felt really content and then this life-changing event happened and I think I would be on this path no matter what whether it was a mm. skin accident motor vehicle accident motorbike probably I guess um, I don't know I feel like I feel comfortable in this life like it hasn't been easy but I feel like I would have been somehow on this same journey no matter what happened on the 27th of April, whether it was a day before, a day after, a week after, a year after, I feel like I'm meant to be where I am now. And it's, yeah, I've learned a lot. That's, made so much to unpack there. I find that really curious, that, that comment that you feel you would have been here eventually mm. anyways in this situation. Is that, is that you speaking from the daredevil mindset that was obviously a part of who you were or is that you you know is that a, a tip of the hat to destiny potentially that you know maybe that's the way you look mm. at life that you know inevitably it's written and you're on the path and you just got to make the most of it like where yeah. does that come from look i've tried to unpack that so many times um i don't know i just feel so like content and right where i am now in my life and back before my accident I didn't have anything that kind of gave me that joy or like I had writing but it was and that was starting to fulfill that void but everything else in life I was just kind of coasting through maybe. Mm. Um, yeah I don't know how to explain or where that comes from I just like it just feels normal to be where I am like yeah, I, don't I get a sense of what you're saying and there's, there's something that stands out to me I've heard a conversation along the lines of that feeling of being content mm. 
that feeling of knowing you're where you need to be yeah. is a product of purpose and meaning as opposed to yeah, pursuit 100%. of happiness. Yeah. And do you think it's that this incredible challenge that I can't even imagine, you know, having to face is what has given you so much meaning through the ability to inspire others, through the ability to achieve what so many would consider to be impossible. Do you think that's what gives you real meaning in life? Yeah, I think having... I mean, I don't get up out of bed and think I'm going to inspire people today because I'm just kind of living the life I want to live and, yeah, I get to ski and travel the world and really live an amazing life. But having that purpose and that meaning to, like, in skiing and find that in something I love, it's... Mm like it's just really like genuine and like you know that you belong there because it just hits deep in your core and it's like yeah this is kind of what I'd be missing and it just needs to be in my life I think that speaks to you know often and I'm all for questioning because I ask myself deep questions about life all the time (laughs) yeah but I think sometimes that you you don't find answers to the questions you're asking Mm. but you find feelings and if you feel so deeply as though you're doing something right, yeah. as though something is meant to be, sometimes you don't have to keep asking questions, yeah. right? You just lean in. Exactly, yeah. And it's, you know, I often think about that in this realm, like telling stories mm. is something I've, I've always loved. Like I remember being a young kid, writing books that I wanted to, you know, share a story from. I remember sitting down and always being more interested in talking to the grown-ups and talking to the kids because they have an ability to tell stories at a deeper level. I was always connected to this idea and this passion for story. And I don't know where that comes from. Mm. Because if you hear my mum, dad or sister or Mike, they don't want to get up and stand on stage. (laughs) Like there's no real signs as to where this has come from. In, you know, they're all storytellers in their own sense inside of the home and inside the friend groups and with their partners. They're very funny people. They're very good at connecting and sharing story. But the route that I've taken is so different. And mm. I think, where does that come from and where have I seen that? Mm. I just think it's within me. Yeah. Like, and it's, you can ask so many questions about it. It's just who I am. Yeah. Lean into it. Yeah, 100%. And so I love what you're saying. And, you know, I'll go back to another moment there that you shared in that early stages of your accident. You spoke about flying over the Harbour Bridge in the mm. helicopter and, you know, laughing about the fact that this is the first time you've flown <laughs> over the Harbour <laughs> yeah. Bridge. I'm curious about that because I know that for so many people, humour is, you know, it, it can be a crutch. It can be yeah. something to lean on at a difficult time. It can be um, a way just to enhance the, the quality of a moment. For you, do you think in that moment, humour kept you a little bit sane in the unknown? Or were you genuinely just so unfazed about what was happening, maybe not fully putting together the pieces mm. of what potentially could be quite severe? Yeah, I've never actually thought about it that way. Um, that's a great question. I think, like, I've always been the more positive side of life and, like, you can't really focus on it, what has happened in the past, whether it's a year ago or, like, this morning, like, it's happened, you can't really change it. And, yeah, I guess just laughing about being an helicopter over the Harbour Bridge when a traumatic experience has happened I don't know it's just like um, I guess maybe trying to just keep that positive attitude alive and like don't lose it through trauma yeah and um, yeah I've always had that throughout like when I was in hospital and rehab I always try try to find or try and found the the positive side of everything um, like um, I don't know, like training and then just little things. Um, just kind of, you just got to kind of keep keep pushing and keep that positive mindset. Otherwise, you're going to go down a pretty dark hole, I feel. For sure. That's such a beautiful message for people listening and, and watching on. And, and I can speak to the power that appreciation mm. hasn't, you know, in my own life, in my own journey. And, and I can see that within you too. And you know, before we jump behind the mics, we were just having a chat over a coffee here and you mentioned that you found yourself wanting to be that strength for your people through this situation, which yeah. 
speaks so much to the kind of human that you are, right? That in your own adversity, you know, you're so selflessly <laughs> worried about everyone else. Yeah. But in that moment when you, you come to, you wake up in ICU and you look around the room and you see family and you see the people you love, you said that you weren't exactly told what your, your injuries were. Yeah. But you knew. Do you think that's yeah. the knowing of looking on their faces and seeing the severity of, you know, the, the fear within them? Um, yeah, I think like when you wake up or come to after three days of kind of no memory and then you, you can like, when you look at someone, you just see they're distraught or their um, sadness. And it's like, obviously I just went through the last three days and I like deeply knew what had happened, but I couldn't really put two and two together. I couldn't really put it in like a story in my head. I just kind of put everything together. Yeah. So then, yeah, seeing my whole family and friends like not as happy as they were three or four days ago. Mm. I was like, no, we want to get back to where everyone was then because that was like life was good, life was happy and everyone was like not sad so I think I don't know I don't, I don't know where it came from but I just had to push through what I was going through and it wasn't a facade of happiness because I was genuinely like okay cool this is not cool but okay this has happened this is shit but yeah. I'm not gonna be sad and depressed about it because that's not gonna help anyone get through it so if I can get through this fast or quicker than the quickest then family and friends they'll be happy and then everything else should go back to normal more or less for sure yeah um so yeah, i have i don't know where they came from but i i think i've always put others before me no matter what whether it's mm. gonna affect me in more ways than one or i've always kind of thought i'll put myself last to make someone else happy or do something for someone else, even if it puts me out of the way. So I think maybe that just came came out more when I had my accident and I saw everyone sad and I just wanted to really just push through and just get back. Get for back sure. to being like a happy, big family. You know, you spoke about emotional moments there with family and particularly that emotional moment with dad. Yeah. And, you know, our challenges have been very different, but I see a lot of parallels in in our, our journeys, our quest up until this point where, you know, for me, my family is such a support system. Yeah. They're the most incredible human beings and I feel so lucky and in my own bias, I say they're the best in the world. I'm sure you think the same of yours. Yeah. You know, even just the other night, I went for dinner with my mum and my partner, Soph, and we're just having dinner at mum's house and talking about, just talking about parenthood, right? We're talking about the first few years of you know, my mum's journey as a mum. And she was talking about Mother's Day having, you know, this beauty because she gets to celebrate, you know, being the mum of two kids she loves. Yeah. But she said it also comes with a heaviness and a sense of emotion because it was on Mother's Day or just the day before that she found out I had CF. Yeah. And she talked about the first few years of parenthood for her and my dad and how much stress that held, you know, not having any positive examples really to look to having a whole bunch of negativity and sadness and tragedy pushed at them from a um, media perspective of people who were unwell with CF from people who had, had terrible experiences with it people had heard this terrible news that this kid passed really young or yeah. that you know all the signs yeah. pointing towards their own child not making it out of his teens yeah. and mum said it took so much strength and I've spoken to my dad about this in depth before too the strength it took for them as parents to be super positive throughout that time. Mm. You know, I come home and it had been particular, a particularly emotional day for me as I was weighing on some of my own challenges from a financial standpoint to keep the pod running, to keep speaking on stage yeah. and, you know, working towards a dream that I hold close to my heart of, yeah. you know, being a storyteller. And after that conversation, it set me off. I got home, I was sitting on this table with Soph and... I had a real bloody cry because I said, sometimes I think about my own sacrifices, you know, to leave work, to leave a secure income, a, yeah. a career that was on the up, to sell a home, 
to sacrifice everything to be able to do what I do now yeah. and, you know, to pursue my purpose and to do it to inspire and uplift others. But sometimes I forget about the sacrifice that they've made for me to be here, for me to even have the opportunity to do this. And I said, yeah. because of that, I can never give up on this. Yeah. You know, as long as it sits deep within my core as my purpose and I recognize that, I can yeah. never give up on this because of not only my hard work, but so many years of theirs. And I wonder how that story sits with you, you know, sitting there and having yeah. those emotional moments with dad about, you know, the challenges that you're now going to face for the rest of your life and the strength of those people around you to help you get through. You know, what are your thoughts on yeah. that? I mean, yeah, family and friends are everything. Like, they support you no matter what decision you take, whether it's not really the right one or you're going down the wrong path. Like, they will pull you up and give you the hard truth when you need to hear it, but they're also going to back you in any decision you make, really. So, yeah, it's having... Like, my parents, during the time of my accident, were, like there at like at any point they were there if i in any phone call so they would lived an hour and a half way and if i needed them they'd come straight up and um it was just like we were a close family before but i think it really brought us just closer because you just kind of you find things or you learn things that you don't really know too much about your family like deeper core um like goals and it's just I've learned a lot about my mum and my dad and like their values and how they I guess value um, like the way they brought us up as kids like it's just mm. distilled in us and um, you yeah, having them like they're a huge part of my life now because like, I live with them and it's it's a great relationship that we have. Like I'm very open with them. They know so much about my life and like, I don't really hold back about, um, hold back with them. Cause it's like, there's really not much more that they, they can find out. Um, sure. so yeah, it's like having that, it's a special relationship I have with them and it's open and it just feels like secure. And I don't like, I don't, I hope everyone has that with, family friends and especially their parents if they can but yeah if not even a partner just try and find that with someone because being like we spoke before having that with Nat and Soph how yeah. vulnerable and com comfortable we feel around them it's it's special and I feel I don't think everyone gets that feeling in their life like they just Such kind of settle and when you find that feeling that it just feels so right it just like life before that just kind of doesn't feel like it's like I didn't, you didn't really know what you're missing out on until you find that feeling and then it's like you don't want you well I mean you don't want to lose it because it's just so like pure it's beautiful man it is yeah it's beautiful and you know, can you remember I'm, I'm not sure how great your memory would be around those those days as you wake up and you start to process what's about to unfold. That conversation with your dad, can you remember any words that he shared with you at the time? Any words that you've held on to? Oh, I'm trying to think. Um, I think the one night when, I don't know where everyone else was, but it was me and him and it was probably 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night and I just broke down and I was like, why me? And he was crying as well as well and like he just mentioned like no one's going to put you in a situation that you're not going to be able to get through or you're not strong enough to get through and not like hearing that from him saying that like you're stronger than what you think you are and i think we all have that inner strength that mm. we really don't know is there until we're put in a like a really tough situation that you the only way to get out is fight and really find that fire in you um and i love i love those situations because you really you really figure out who you are 
and I think in the last, well, well, I guess the last nine, ten years, I've become just a more open and definitely vulnerable person and I love that because you have all the feels of that and being open with your emotions and ups and downs and crying when you want to cry and all that it's just like that's what life is about you get to we're a soul on this earth for a really short period of time and we want to experience every emotion we can because it's that's living and that's the best part of life whether it's sad or really happy it you kind of feel fulfilled knowing that you can be really sad one day and then ecstatically happy and overjoyed the next and it's like I think having those moments in life really know you really know you're like living and you're alive and it's yeah it's really I think really special man there's such beautiful words and I couldn't agree with you more it's there's a there's a quote that sits with me consistently that I love and it's sometimes we feel like we've been buried um, but we've actually been planted (laughs) And I love that one. For me, the, the fertilizer that allows you to grow from beneath the surface is that vulnerability, yeah. that acceptance, that, that whatever you're facing and whatever your reality is, it is yours. Yeah. You have to own it. You have to firstly accept it and become comfortable with it before you can flourish in it. Yeah, and, 100%. And for me, there's been such a positive improvement in the quality of my life once i understood that vulnerability would open up so much yeah like whether that's with so whether that's with my family and and having those hard conversations and being honest with how you feel yeah you know like i said to you before this when i asked you about your headspace around everything that you face and all yeah. the challenges you have and you said you know it's fucking challenging at times yeah but i wouldn't change it yeah. i know that i'm here and you know that you're here for a reason. And for me, that's the real side, the fact that it's fucking challenging at times. The fact that there yeah. are going to be times you cry because you just know it would be easier if you weren't in a chair. Yeah, 100%. You know? And it's scary. For sure. But, like, that's what makes us who we are. And we grow through that. And you Definitely. become so much stronger on the other side of that. So talk to me about the, the acceptance. How, how long did it take for you to fully get comfortable with the fact that you know, you needed to now own this. I think, like, I remember five years after my accident, it was 2018, 2018 yeah. the year after the, or the year of my first Paralympics. And, like, everything was great. I was basically on a high from when I got out of hospital to the 2018 Paralympics. Mm. And I just kind of, picked up skiing and just did that and never really slowed down in 2018 I'm in Perisher training skiing again and then I think September something just caught up to me and I was like shit I feel ruined and just like I don't want to be in a chair anymore I don't want to like it's too hard like what has happened like I don't think I really gave myself early on like enough time to grieve and Mm. kind of accept what had happened and what like what changes I had happened that had happened in my life I just kind of picked up skiing that to me was like my safe place in rehab and it kind of took away from my disability but in 2018 I kind of just just got a realisation that oh shit, this is like for real and it's going to be like obviously a long life thing and I wouldn't say I was in a bad headspace or like a down for too long but maybe a good few weeks and I just kind of didn't really have any drive or like zest for life and I was just kind of coasting through at this point and I didn't like... I was fine with it all, but it was just like trying to really find that drive again and um, pick up training again and just try and find something that, like a new why maybe, because I'd just done four years, done a Paralympics and that was like my goal in hospital. 
Yeah. And then that high, that high had all come down, and I didn't really know what else I was going to do, like another Paralympics or I don't know really. But um, yeah, I mean, there's obviously days now where I'm like, nah, stuff this. This is just I don't want like I want to be here, but I just want a different situation. Yeah. Um, but then I will jump on my bike do something outside go for a, a, a swim or a ride or go to the gym get the blood flowing get your endorphin levels up get some sun in then you come back and like yeah okay that's yeah life's good like I'm still able to do what I will like be physical and be out there without like really too much like too much effort or like I have full independence and that to me is everything I I need that like independence in my life because it's not having that you just feel like crippled and mm. like I don't think I'd have much drive or go if I didn't have like my independence yeah mm. I think that's powerful and when you feel like you're in control yeah of at least what you do yeah we're not always controlling the, in control of the outcomes yeah. but if you're in control of what action you can take that's liberating in itself yeah that frees you up 100 percent. you know you spoke there about that grief and not giving yourself a chance to grieve mm. this is probably not the best example of any sort of psychological advice but i'm watching a tv show <laughs> at the moment right it's called shrinking yeah. and have you ever watched ted lasso oh uh, no nah. I know what it is, yeah. but yeah, I've never watched it. Yet. So it's written by the same writers, I believe. Yeah. And the show's got Marshall from How I Met Your Mother, mm -hmm. um, Jason Segal, I think his name is. Yeah. He's the lead actor and um, he's a shrink who loses his wife. Mm -hmm. And sort of goes through the him picking up the pieces, his daughter picking up the pieces. You know, she's a, in her late teens of life after loss and, you know, life in grief. Yeah. And one of the things they talk about in the show is like, granting yourself in that heavy grief period 15 minutes a day just to cry to some sad music <laughs> yeah. but then after that 15 minutes it's your job to pick up the pieces yeah. and move forward as positively as you can yeah. and I really liked that when I heard it in the show and I thought I think often in life we you know we don't give ourselves the chance to feel what we need to feel yeah no especially as men too especially as men yeah. I couldn't put an exclamation mark next to that enough yeah. because we feel as though we have to be strong all the time yeah. but strength comes through vulnerability as we said and you need to first allow yourself to feel what you need to feel yeah. before you can free yourself of it Yeah, 100%. and it's almost like when you don't when you push that below the surface it's like trying to push a fucking ball below the surface of the pool right yeah it just wants to fucking come up yeah. and it will find a way. 100%. And if you push it down too far, it'll fucking explode up yeah. through the surface and all of a sudden it's now heavier than it needed to be. Yeah, exactly. And I think saying what you said there for so many people will really hit home because yeah. whether you're facing similar challenges to you, whether someone's come through a spinal cord injury, whether someone's living with CF, whether someone's under heavy financial stress at home or has lost a loved one or you know is in the middle of a breakup yep. that pain that weight feels heavy regardless and yep. everyone's situation and circumstances are different and you can't compare it no you just need to feel what you need to feel yeah you need to feel it to the full extent and then Be you need to find your why to move forward yeah. and you'll come out a hundred times stronger than when you went in there even though it probably feels like your lowest point but being that vulnerable or being that open and feeling that is going to feel so much better and like a weight off your shoulders afterwards, really. And yeah, I don't think we really give ourselves enough time to open up and be vulnerable and be like really just um, raw. Yeah, so and, yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. You spoke about refinding. You know, feeling like that why, that meaning, the goal you'd set for yourself, you know, coming out of hospital to be a Paralympian. Spoke about the high of achieving that and then feeling that low. Mm. 
And I think that's something that's really common for a lot of us in life. We get yeah. to something that we've been working towards and, you know, we need yeah. to pick up the pieces and, and realise that it's time to go again. It's yeah. time to find what that next why is, what that purpose looks like now. Yeah. For you, what was the rediscovery of purpose? And I'll quickly put a story in here. I heard Lewis, um, Lewis Hamilton, F1 driver, mm-hmm. on a podcast yeah. recently and he spoke about, you know, sort of getting to his fifth or sixth championship. Yeah. And it started to feel empty. Yeah. And he's like, you know, this is what I've always wanted, right? This is what I've worked towards my whole life is to be, you know, the greatest F1 driver of all time. But he realized that after time, he needed to find new why, new purpose. And for him, that was setting up his foundation. And, you know, and so thankfully he has now because he spoke about the success that isn't exactly there right now. You know, they're having a tougher couple of years at, at Mercedes. And, you know, having that why, that purpose, that was more connected to the human being than the human doing yeah you know yeah, like not connected yeah. to what he does as an athlete but who he is as a human yeah. you know at the core yeah. has been really powerful for him and I, I guess i'll throw you that same question at the mm. core is you know we look at sam tate the human being not sam tate the athlete or <laughs> you know the the adrenaline junkie but the guy who has to lie in bed at night put his head on his pillow and feel really good about the life he's living yeah. What does that why and purpose look and feel like to you at the moment? Oh, it's changed over the last three, four years. Um, I think after 2018, when I had that really low, I had to really pick myself up and like push towards another four years of training for um, well, Beijing Paralympics. Yep. Um, and once I kind of got that rolling, it was it was sweet, and I was fully committed. And and this year, sorry, last year, coming out of China and kind of again that high that you've been working on for the last four years, and then coming back home, and I, I had a pretty bad campaign at um, Beijing. Had I felt at the peak of my game, like I was so there. I felt mentally and physically ready not the best lead up had a uh, five weeks off before the Paralympics because I had bad crash and I want to say fractured ribs but we'll never know really it was it was sore <laughs> um, but coming to China I was like yeah I'm like so ready and the hill was gnarly it was pretty I don't know if you watched the Olympics or Paralympics and the the speed hill was it was pretty gnarly um, and then had a crash in two of my favorite events and I was just like, ah, shit, I fucked it. <laughs> and then coming home from that, I was just like, yeah, I'm like, as I spoke to you before, I'm just like feeling mentally cooked and mm. just want to take some time off and kind of refine my why and purpose and kind of went straight back into training and like I got home let's just say Monday and I was back in the gym Tuesday because I was like yeah, I don't really know what else to do because it's been ingrained in, ingrained in me in the last like eight nine years just to kind of train and that that was good for two weeks but then I crashed hard for two weeks after that and I woke up and I was like I'm not motivated at all like this is just like I would kind of go to the gym but I was like no this is just like I'm just done. So I, I took some time off, which was needed and just kind of did stuff that I wanted to do instead of like following the training schedule. I was just like out for a ride out in the sun. Um, just went up to a bar and see a few mates and just kind of doing stuff that I mentally knew I kind of needed. And then like, I know I need a year off skiing and I'm trying to <laughs> work that into it, but my new purpose and why is um, I'm thinking about after skiing when I retire and what I'm going to do after that. And I've I'm opened up a business in Ginnabine, which is a recovery center. So I think, and that, oh, that's like I literally go to sleep and wake up thinking about it. That's my so idea. excited, um, stressful, a lot of work, but like I just know, like, once I get something concrete in the ground, like, or pipes are in there or anything, it's just going to be like go time and I'm just 
like to me that is more motivating than skiing right now because I'm just so excited to build something that I can call mine or that I say I did this by myself and like yeah there'll be help from people with I don't know I've never I've never set up a business before I have no yeah. idea what I'm doing <laughs> um, but it's so rewarding just seeing like little things um, like set up with your company and just seeing that like come out in the flesh and um, ordering like equipment and paying for quotes and stuff it's just like okay this is it still feels a dream but like it's almost there that I'm like okay this is real and that to me right now is more motivating and my purpose and kind of why I'm pushing harder in my life because that I just like that's to me is everything right now and I want that to succeed so badly I'm so scared that it won't but I think like I'm putting so much time and um, like energy into it that I just can't see it not working really and I think that bit of fear is healthy right because it like you said it makes yeah. you put that work in yeah you'll put the work in yeah 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 you know you spoke about something there that I find really interesting and it's it's something that has become really present for me listening to a guy named Ben Crow, mindset coach for, um, I think he's worked with Dylan Alcott a little bit, um, yeah. works with Ash Barty, a um, bunch of top tier athletes, Dusty Martin. Yeah. And I heard Ben Crow talk about this idea of the separation between the human being and the human doing, which I touched on there just a moment ago. And how, as humans, we often put all of our self-worth in the human doing bucket, yeah. which is you know, Sam Tate, the athlete, or Brad Driver, the podcaster, yeah. um, you know, or the runner, or, you know, the things that we do. And when we fall a little short of goals or the things that make us, quote unquote, successful in that space, our self-worth falls short with it. Yeah. And coming back to that, that notion that the self-worth comes from the human doing, you know, living a value-driven life, living yeah. according to the kind of human being that you want to be. And, you know, those, those selfless things we can do for ourselves and control that then make us selfless human doings. Yeah. Like when you mm. come back to Sam Tate, the human being at the core, what are the coping mechanisms or the things that you do for you that outside of your sport, outside of, you know, that pursuit of success in whatever field or space you're in, you know, really connect with your values and who you are at the core? Yeah. Oh, I think... I, for me, it's like, um, going out in public and just kind of giving off that like positive energy and not really, like, I don't really do too many things for myself. Like I train, but that's like, obviously I want to train, but that's for skiing and, um, I, don't know, I like to give back a lot because it's a really selfless and you just feel good giving back like whether you compliment someone or make like just smile at someone randomly and you just kind of see their face light up and it's like yeah that's yeah it's just little things like that where I like to just kind of be that person where someone can like look at and kind of feel good or not get like negative energy from there's power in that right yeah I'm like it's it's just fulfilling to me it's fulfilling because I I hate negative energy and I try not to have any in me and I I was just talking to Nat about this last night and she's like when I am with someone I want to see all their raw emotions like anger sadness happiness um, and I was like yeah you'll probably see all that but anger probably not because like, I can't remember when I've been angry or, um, like, it's weird. I don't like to give out that, like, negative energy because I just, it doesn't sit right with me. And I don't want that, like, negative emotion, like, manifesting in me. So I just, yeah. like, I've never really had that emotion where I'm like really angry at someone or it just doesn't 
like I try and see the, both sides of the story or like the other side or like I'm like yeah cool that's like that happened I'm not like happy about it but it is what it is you can't change it and like I'll move on well I think it's that same attitude that's allowed you to be so positive about your own adversity right that that lens of gratitude and appreciation in which yeah. you view life through yeah and you know ultimately it makes anger harder I've yeah I would say I'm very similar to that but sometimes I get a little, <laughs> a little bit snappy <laughs> I get a little bit snappy yeah. but it's it's usually just when I'm a little bit tired or not feeling myself yeah yeah <laughs> I get yeah I understand that like tired or hangry or you yeah. just want like that snack but yeah I just feel like anger is just a waste of emotion yeah you sometimes you need to feel it but I just like I don't understand how people can get really angry and go off at someone and feel like mm. um, comfortable with that. I think it's the the important thing is learning how to use anger, pain, mm. those more negatively um, associated emotions with pushing your own motivation. Yeah. You know, how how do you use them positively? How do you turn mm. a negative into a positive? Yeah, and not use it to negatively impact other people yeah and that's where i think those emotions go so wrong for so many people which comes back to for a lot of people that that anger negativity comes back to then potentially if not used positively narcissistic traits yeah which only negatively affects the people around them and it becomes just a pool of negativity yeah so and you know i can see so much positivity in you so i understand that you want to shine that light you know, talk to me about just one thing you said there, which, which struck a chord because we spoke about it before. You know, I said to you when we sat down today and started having a coffee, to me, the, the world of um, disability and, you know, the, the injury that you've gone through, there's so much that's taboo to talk about. Yeah. And there's so much that feels like it's often brushed over because nobody really wants to ask the question the right way and and you shared with me a couple of situations that could potentially make someone in your position angry but you choose (laughs) to to look at it Mm. as positively as you can and to understand where they're coming from and the confusion in which they ask that question from talk to me about what's politically correct and because i think this would be really interesting for everyone who's tuning in right now to hear yeah there's so much i don't know like how do we address and, and label these injuries? How do we ask the questions that are often hard to ask? And what's yeah. your experience with learning that? I mean, I've just learned from over the last few years, well, my whole <laughs> being in a chair, you kind of just get chucked in the deep end. No one really tells you what's right and what's wrong. You kind of, I think for everyone who has a disability, you have to judge their character and who they are I guess on the fly when you're talking like asking questions mm. like, there'll be questions I get asked at the pub if I'm out or like can you have sex or yeah. what's to go with this or anything and at the start I kind of was like that's a weird very personal question to ask but now I'm like whatever like it doesn't really bother me but I feel like other people it might um like I'm an open book within reason but um, <laughs> I think just not like tiptoeing around the disability like not not saying like it in like black and white or yeah you're in a chair or you have a disability or whatever but just treating someone as you would anyone else really and like looking at the person with a disability like in the eyes or and not talking to their friend about you next to him yeah um just treat them like human just they're we're all human we and everyone in our in our in the world has like unforeseen like demons or anything it's just because i'm in a chair you can see it and it's noticeable and Mm. probably more than one in i don't know i'm just making this up but i reckon half the people we meet in our lives would have something going going on in their lives that no one would know about and bloody oath um yeah i try and treat everyone i meet no matter 
what they look like or who they are that you're like good and a happy human until proven otherwise or until you show me you're not for sure and I like to look on the um, like the I like to give like everyone the benefit of the doubt unless you break my trust or you betray me or something because you really don't know what anyone's going through in like everyday situations I think what you're touching on here is just this human desire to be felt heard connected yeah to feel like you're in the same boat as everyone else with the same opportunity and yeah and we all want to feel respected Mm. I think that's one of the hardest things we don't potentially some human beings want to be admired (laughs) or to be looked at in high regard but I think speaking for most people if I can you just want to feel like you are getting the respect you deserve as a human being. Yeah. Like that's a genuine human right to deserve yeah. respect and to be looked mm-hmm. at and and thought of as everyone else is. Yeah. And it's it's so weird and so foreign that and I think as you said, if you give people the benefit of the doubt, I think that it comes from a place of deep desire to want to be politically correct or want to be right. But we live in such a world right now where especially with social media, this cancel culture that everyone feels like everything they say. And in some regards, it it has to be. You know, if you're coming from a place with intent to hurt, then, you know, you deserve to be responsible and and held accountable for your actions. But if you're coming from a, a good place, and like you said, being able to see that intent and where it comes from, most of the time people are going to be understanding. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah. And I've never really experienced that otherwise really like if you come across as respectful and just a genuine human then you're going to get that back Mm. and I think yeah just putting that out to the world and you're going to feel that energy back for sure without giving away your age because you do look (laughs) quite good for your age coming up to to 32 actually the day before my birthday yeah Um, so (laughs) April baby's here what are some of the challenges you foresee for yourself that maybe you haven't fully come to terms with or, or have to start coming to terms with and getting prepared for in, in now your 30s and, you know, for life to come? Yeah. It is such a transition point for everyone. It is. I think life. my 30s are going to be better than my 20s. I, I love reckon. that. I just, feel, I just feel like 30s, you can... Like your 20s are kind of figuring out what you want to do in your life and mm. where you want to go and build in like that life and that career in 30s you kind of have it well most of us have it kind of saw you know what you want to do and then it's just kind of you're just living off the back of that um i don't know i um i want to have a family yeah and that's with skiing over the next four or three years till 2026 it's a little like I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to travel and work and then start a family and it's it's a little scary because I've never really like I've always seen myself as like not alone but like just coasting through life by myself no family no kids Um, and then met Nat and my mindset just kind of changed I don't know where like where it came from which just makes me feel I don't know comfortable and wanting I guess wanting that family and I'm just trying to it's scary to think that well not scary but I'm just really kind of trying to see how that's gonna or when that's gonna fit into skiing and yeah I'm just bro I feel that so deeply like I've I've had you know, with so these conversations yeah. start to come to fruition because you want to plan your future, right? You have to know what's going to happen. What it looks like. Yeah, exactly. To, to a degree. Yeah. And for me, before meeting Soph, as I mentioned to you earlier when we were chatting over coffee, she's the first person I've ever truly connected with and felt yeah. super comfortable with. Yeah. So life with her felt more serious and like there was more opportunity more hope for the things to come in the future yeah and i always thought that i you know i struggled to find someone that i 
truly connected with on a, yeah. on a value and a moral level that I wanted to create a life with. Yeah. And so sure. I often thought that I was just going to be the uncle that rocked up and, you know, splashed some cash <laughs> at the nephews yeah. and nieces and, you know, and everyone's like, Uncle Brad's here and yeah. you know, he's the fun uncle who does the podcast and all that stuff. It's exactly how I felt. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like Uncle Sam's here from another you know, bloody winter in Beijing and, you know, he's talking about these medals and this success and, but then when it's your own kids yeah. or the thought of, and you have to start planning for that comes with challenges. And, yeah. and for me, there's, there's heaps of stuff from a CF standpoint mm. that makes it even potentially a little trickier yeah. that we have to consider. And, you know, there's those challenges that come and it, for me, it's like, it's become you know, a very selfless view that I have mm. on the next five to 10 years of my life yeah. and what that looks like. And, you know, I want to be, I love it with my parents now. They're at an age where I still feel like very connected to them. I almost feel like they've gone from, and they're always my parents, they're always dad and mom, yeah, but they've transitioned from parents to mates yeah, almost. Yeah, I feel that, yeah. Where you, you kind of go to them for the things that you go to your friends for, yeah. right? Like connection and it's, you know, mm. I don't need you to look after me now. Yeah but I want to be able to talk to you about like this that. stuff. And, yeah, and that's so true. It's so true. Yeah. It's that transition. Mm. And it's a beautiful time. It is a really, it's yeah. a really enjoyable time. Mm. And I look to them as incredible examples for the kind of parent that I want to be. Yeah. And I want to have that with my kids in 26 years time, you know? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I, yeah. It's like I've only, like I've respected and really loved my parents relationship they have a great like, relationship and only now that I've like with Nat do I really like look at my parents relationship and be like that's how I want my relationship to be like mm. like they've loved each other for oh, maybe 30 plus years now not probably 34 35 years and I don't think I like you don't see that unconditional love like last for that long Especially in, I think, our generation now, everyone's just like, oh, yeah, once a few years. So rare, isn't it? It's so rare. And I think, like, we've only been with our partners for, what, four or five months? Yeah. But it feels, to me, it feels like I've been so mm, open and have much more a deeper connection than I have with anyone in my life in the last um, four four months with Nat than I just feels right and like comfortable and I'm happy to have those hard conversations about like what's your timeline on marriage and kids Mm. and where you want to live in the future and like because you need those I think you need to be on the same page or getting on the same page early on otherwise in a few years if you're not agreeing with something then I wouldn't say you've wasted it but it's like it's just gonna it's not gonna work in in the long run People say to me all the time, all right, you've had some really deep and sort of like real future-orientated conversations Mm. with your partner early. Mm. Fucking oath I have. Yeah. Because if I'm trying to create a life with someone, (laughs) like if I'm, you know, I always say I'm going to live to 100, right? (laughs) If I'm, I'm going to be a 100-year-old man running, running to a coffee in the morning. And I look at that and I go, well, you know, potentially you're going to live that long and you're going to live a huge chunk of life to come. Yeah. If I want to spend the rest of my life with this person and she wants kids, I don't, or vice versa, yeah. and that's a problem in two years, yeah. then what, what are we doing? Yeah, exactly. And so I'm so fortunate that the person I've fallen in love with has similar and, and very similar and, I guess, tuned desires for the future and what life's going to look like, and we can connect on that and plan for that. Yeah. But you want to get to that early. You need to have those hard conversations. And that just makes your relationship stronger. Definitely. And like open, you can have a conversation about anything and you know it's going to, like where you're going and like there's one, like you can have hard conversations and not agree, but you're going to be stronger and come out of it. Your relationship's going to be stronger and the connection between you, both of you are going to just be so much better for the future. Even if you don't Mm. agree with it, it's... I think you need to have hard conversations with your partner early on because like that just it just makes it more 
of a deeper connection. Definitely. Sounds like we just started a love coaching business. (laughs) (laughs) Podcast. Find the link in the bio. (laughs) Um, Talk to me about this couple months to come, you know, training, things that you're excited for, obviously the business. Is there anywhere that people can start to link up with that and find that? Is there a planned date Um, to open? Oh, I would, uh, I want to open this year. Mm. Um, At the moment, I'm just working on branding. I've got no links or anything at the moment um, or any website. I'm just kind of need to get my architectural plans finished for that so then I can start really getting a pup, um, color palette mm. and figuring out the, the way we're going to go with that. But it's basically working on that full time, training full time, training for this team triathlon that we're doing in April. Yeah. Which I'm so excited about and I just want to beat Nat. So like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, a bit of healthy, healthy competition. competition. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then had to perish for work again and mum and dad want to retire. So they've got a ski lodge at me and my sister will take over in the next awesome. two, three years. So, and then training for 2026 winter Paralympics. It's a huge next three and a half years. Pack schedule. Pack schedule. But I think it's going to like, I'm going to get more done than I, than I will than I would have the last probably eight years because I'm just so busy and mm. when you want to get signed on give it to a busy person right so exactly yeah it's going to be I'm looking forward to it like it's probably going to be some sleepless nights but yeah I just want to build that really reliable or passive income for the future and mm. be able to be like hey hon we're going for a road trip for three weeks let's go and yeah um yeah, I don't. I don't want to live like a just a settled, flat life. I want to always be on new adventures, and if we want to go somewhere, book a holiday in a week and just go travel, whatever. Have kids. I love that. Yeah. So. So exciting, brother. It is exciting. Terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> but, but exciting. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's. Yeah, it's gonna be exciting. I want to leave off with one last question, a question that I, I find I really ask a lot of my guests who I feel inspired by. And I love that there's so many parallels before, between our thoughts and experiences and where we're at in our lives. And mm-hmm. I'd be really interested to hear if you could share one message with the audience and encourage them to act on that. Mm-hmm. What would it be? Um, I think there's probably a few, but... <laughs> Give us um, a couple then. I think just the, you'll probably feel this one deeply, just finding someone you can just be completely open with and vulnerable with. To me, that's having that deep connection and that vulnerability with Nat is, is changed my like mindset and my views on a lot of things. Like I'm, I never thought that I would have that in my life. I thought, like the fun uncle, here he comes, solo or single. Um, But like I'm living a much more fulfilled and I'm getting so much more enjoyment out of my life with Nat and we have the same goals around fitness and like she pushes me to um, get in the pool and swim where I, like I'm so self-conscious about going out in public and um, like I... I feel like everyone judges me when I'm out, but I like, that's just in my head. Mm. And like, that's pushed me to kind of, or just being open with her. Like, I don't really care what everyone else thinks. And she kind of like from, it took me a while with her to let my guard down. And I mean, maybe the last month that I've kind of really just like turned it off and we've just become so much more closer and, like stronger together that I think finding someone you can really just be yourself with, be weird, be silly with, but also have those really deep connections with is something that you need, like we need as humans in life because it's just, it's why we're on this earth to find that one person that you can just be yourself with and have like, don't hold back and just be, be you and be open. You know what? 
it's it's so special and it's something you said there about that that insecurity that come from within yeah that is now diminished with that yeah and it's funny because i feel that on so many levels so many insecurities about the way that i look the way that i thought people thought i looked yeah. the all these things that are on the front of your brain and and only stop you from enjoying life fully exactly there is such a power in when you feel like you can be vulnerable and your self 100 percent yeah like when you can lay it all out there and say this is me this is yeah. who i am at the core i'm not yeah. hiding anything and that's not only accepted by someone but celebrated and loved yeah especially loved it's you walk out there in the world and you feel like a different human being yeah. and that's such a strength and yeah you know I, I hope and i wish i could give answers to people to feel that within themselves but if you can yeah, find yeah, a person like you said it it just elevates it and it's, it's such it a beautiful experience yeah it is and i never thought that i would find that honestly and mm. it's to have it and to know how good it feels i just hope everyone can feel that because it's it's i think it's the, one of the reasons why we're on this earth and it's, yeah. yeah it's pretty pretty amazing well if you sign up to the love coach program <laughs> <laughs> everyone can nah it's um brother it's been such a pleasure to sit here and chat you've got an incredible story i love the way that you view life and the that lens of appreciation and gratitude in which you see everything that is you know part of your world and it's been a privilege to not only share your story here but to connect as mates and you know and hopefully we can keep connecting and yeah, you know i can follow on now <laughs> i appreciate it so i'll make sure that everyone listening watching on can head to the show description to find your social tags and and everything you're doing and hopefully we can get some people down to jindy um, yeah, to get in rip in <laughs> so cheers brother cheers mate